Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? Or in the case of today, we're interviewing who? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known. My guests today are directors Claire Knight and Harry Cripps. They have a new animated film out on Netflix called Back to the Outback, which is about a sort of misfit group of misunderstood wild creatures. Some of them are venomous, some of them are poisonous. They are all uh, maybe not the most popular denizens of the Outback, and they are trapped at a zoo and decide they want to make their escape. Back to the Outback features a pretty decent portion of working Australian actors today. It's it's got Isla Fisher, Tim Minchin, Eric Bana, Guy Pierce, Keith Urban, Rachel House. It's also got Kylie Minogue and Jackie Weaver. Claire started out as an editor in animation. She worked on all of the Kung Fu Panda films. She did the Lego sequel. She was at DreamWorks for a really long time. And Harry started out as a writer. He has recently adapted things like The Dry and Penguin Bloom and was a writer on Back to the Outback. And now without further ado, here's we're interviewing who? How do you make normally terrifying creatures appealing? Yes, that was a big challenge for us. And we started off in a room full of the actual images there. And uh, people would come in and go, I, I can't even look over there at this snake. I can't, it's scary. So it, we, we realized we really wanted them to be appealing. And we really wanted, particularly uh, the idea of a snake, which you don't see that many. You've got Sir Hiss in the history of animated characters. But uh, the idea of a female lead snake you know, it was questioned at the early, at the start about whether snakes are huggable at all. And we hope that we've done that in bringing all of these amazing characters and amazing animals to life in a very appealing way, which should, I hope, you know, ignite uh, kids and families to look at these animals and find out more about them. Yeah, and we also took a lot of the, what is perceived as the scary traits, the physical scary traits of these animals, and we turned them into funny and lovable things. For example, the way spiders move, they even have a mating dance. By turning that into this big, funny, floppy mating dance of this rather awkward young male character, helps sort of, um, you know, de demonize that sort of idea of the way spiders move, the way that the scorpion stings, which is scary. In the movie, it's sort of done as a funny thing. So it was about trying to find the love and the humor about what some of these natural characteristics that people have grown up thinking are, uh, are scary things. What creatures are you most afraid of? Totally 100% mm -hmm. snakes. I, okay, so a great film to work on then. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love Maddie. I love her so much. She's just the most adorable. But, you know, literally where I grew up, you know, there was all snakes everywhere. My brothers put a dead snake on my bed once. No, I mean, there was, you know, they are just fill me with, with terror if I face one. I'd be I scared. think for me, it's bats, you know, and we do have a beautiful bat in there. And I do actually, the bats in Australia, I think they're called flying foxes because they've got this lovely little red. They yeah. do not scare me. But bat, European bats, I meant, yeah, they scare the hell out of me. Yeah, and sharks. <laughs> I was completely devastated when I saw Jules as a small child. I mean, really, you picked such a wonderful film with a cast of characters that really speaks to uh, some of your favorite things, it sounds like. Well, it was my way of overcoming these fears. Yeah, yeah, it's therapeutic yes. in many senses. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cathartic, yes. Yeah, so one of the things I loved in the, the bit I got to see was about, you know, first impressions and how those are very subject to change. And so I'm wondering what your first impressions of each other were and what changed the most about those over the making of the I think the my first impression of Harry he was uh, he was we were working on a movie at DreamWorks together 
And he was sitting beside me and I had been re-editing this movie over and over again. And he was laughing and laughing and laughing. I was like, this is actually a funny movie. And the problem with <laughs> animated features is they go on so long that you kind of lose sight of particularly the funny anymore when you're screening over and over again as an editor. And so I was like impressed that he'd made me really want to laugh at these characters again. And uh, I, <laughs> and not only that, but he did write some amazing stuff on that movie. So I was very impressed with that too. And while I was laughing my head off at the movie, I was super deeper impressed with Claire's office as an editor. I've been <laughs> the editor's offices. They were horrible black, you know, places with these dark holes and Claire's was this the most beautifully- I like to make my office very calm, yes. From Interior Magazine, I thought, so brilliant editor, but I thought this person has a great <laughs> design. And as we went through into this movie, I was proved right. She really, you know, has a natural artistic vision that <laughs> was formerly limited to the interior decoration. <laughs> and it's multi-talented in style. <laughs> well, speaking of editing, Claire, I'd love to know what you think one of the most valuable lessons you learned and applied from your experience as an editor was to directing. I think, you know, there's... You forget that uh, as an animation editor, it's very different to being a live action. Right. Editor. I don't wait for the footage. I'm literally there from the start. So you forget over the years of doing animated, which generally like it took me 15 years to do all three of the Kung Fu Panda movies as an editor. So over that time, you have got used to knowing every department and every department comes through to you and you're working with everything. So I had a great knowledge of what was going to be the next phase of things and how to handle those. And I think also a lot of the time the movie can get created in editorial, a lot of movies I've worked on. However, on this one, we had such a brilliant script from Harry. It was, a, it was just great. And we really, that structure, there was no, we never moved act three into act one or any of the things that often happens <laughs> as you're going through trying to create an animated movie. So. It, it felt, you know, it felt like a natural step. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. And Harry, I guess it's a similar question for you, you know, with writing to directing, but also, you know, being responsible for, if there is a major shift like that, you're responsible for all of the like production, you know, yeah. fallout yeah. from that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also in animation, you know, it is so much about collaboration. You really just have to be completely open to it all you know opinions and all sort of different ideas from everyone and so much of it the, the the script shifts and changes not just through us but you know through the animators and and what everyone and the actors what they all bring to it so it was just being sort of a bit flexible and being a little less precious when you're just the writer you can be incredibly precious and about your work when you're directing something. i'm very impressed with harry he's one of the few writers i know who's allowed you know cuts lines that I've never known. <laughs> I usually won't allow a word to go away, but he's very, very, he's very much focused on the overall movie. He's a perfect director in the oh, sense that he that's can that's see the overall and what's the good for the movie. Most of the lines I cut weren't mine. They were like, other lines, like, <laughs> sneak in. Like, no, Elizabeth. But yes, of course, you cut, you got to get rid of your ego. It's just not, it's not yeah, worth You're, you're not going to get a film done or the right film done if you, yeah. if you aren't willing to be uh, generous with your, your edits. Um, so I am wondering, logistically or emotionally, what was the most challenging scene to get right? Oh, I know that one. Well, oh. <laughs> well it's later in the film and I can't actually give it away. Well, but I think <laughs> the beginning of it was very hard. Yeah. I mean, the idea, we were all kind of worried. If you've got a certain amount of characters stuck in boxes, 
how do you keep the entertainment going? You know, there's that aspect to it. So it became one of those challenges that we really got into, both Harry and I, of looking at all of those movies of camera language, of how to interpret people who are kind of stuck in these rigid boxes and interpret it. And I feel like we came up with this idea from looking at lots of different movies, interesting movies that you wouldn't think that how to come up with a language that would best tell this story. And it's not, you know, just watching people sitting in a box. The, the first thing when you say when characters trapped in boxes is like Silence of the Lambs comes up for me. <laughs> yes, I, <know. laughs> I don't know if I necessarily, but you know, it's still. You never know. <laughs> you never know where you're getting your camera language from. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think the most misunderstood thing about you is? Oh my gosh. I think people, what is the most, that's. Because I love, I love Rachel House's shark, you know, she's talking about all these misunderstood. And I was like, oh, yeah. you stumped us with that one. <laughs> I mean, there's no right and wrong answer. <laughs> Everyone always thinks we're very nice. Well, well I, was, I was about to say exactly the same thing. In fact, the only yeah. times we saw, you know, people would gently say, well, you know, if you want that, you maybe just be a little less nice or and so it was it wasn't learning to be meaner it was just learning to be more assertive yeah uh when because it was our both first our directing gig we didn't want to blow it and we didn't want to you know we want everyone to be happy and so of course at some point you have to be a little bit you know so i yeah i'd agree with that completely i think we were de definitely perceived as perceived being, as being yes but I think it's because I think we are very collaborative I think and and we were we went into this wanting to be collaborative and wanting this to yeah, to yeah, be yeah. something that was an enjoyable place to, enjoyable movie to work on place yeah. to work and because we've all been in places that you're spending a long time making a movie and you want people's thoughts you want people to collaborate with you and you never know where a thought is going to come from or where an idea comes from. So we really wanted a crew that, you know, really enjoyed working and being on this movie. And uh, I think, you know, I think we achieved that. I haven't heard from them yet. <laughs> well, I've said it there to our face. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you're known for being nice, maybe they won't say it to your face. Maybe they, maybe they understood you better than now. <laughs> how do you define personal success now? And how has that changed from earlier on in your life or career? Oh God, that's so easy. I'm totally obsessed with just winning awards when I was young. I just thought that was the- Oh yeah, I was too. And you weren't, you couldn't measure anything. And of course I realize now having not won, well, a couple, but small, and I, um, but you know, you, it's really just about being really proud, being able to walk away saying, I'm so proud of what is there. I'm proud of everyone who is on it and, and how we worked on it and, and hopefully, you know, to be proud of, of how it lands on an audience and what they take away from it. If they take away, come away from this film, curious about Australia and Australian wildlife and having conversations with their parents about themes like tolerance and what it means to be a good person, a compassionate person, then that is the measure of, that is the height of success. I think I'm similar in that sense that when I was a kid, I used to enter every art competition ever and I would win. And then as I got over, I thought it was all to be competitive, you know, but I think as you as you as you work in animation and as you move forward, you kind of go, no, it's about the environment and the people you work with. Mm -hmm. And it's not and particularly getting into a role where you're a director, where it is all about communication and interpretation. And it's not everyone 
if a animation movie works well and works well in lockdown, everyone is communicating well and everyone is getting on well. And, and that, that's a really important part if you're wanting to, to put something really nice out into the world, which I think we are doing. Growing up, who were your favorite fictional characters? Ooh, characters. Gosh, you've got some questions. Some wild ones. I, I like to change things up a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, favorite fictional characters. You know, I always really liked, you know, because he has the best ending, um, Sidney Carton in uh, Tale of Two Cities. The guy who's, he's, you know, he's not perfect. He's, he's not great. He's, he doesn't, you know, graph. And then he ends up, literally the last line of that book, there's a far, far better thing I do now than I've ever done before. There's a far, far greater rest I go to than I've ever known. I mean, how to go exit life saying that, what a thing, you know, he was a great flawed character who proved to be a person of enormous compassion and worth. And I love that even as a kid. Yeah, I think for me, I guess, there was a lot of, because uh, I grew up in Ireland, there was a lot of like old Irish stories that I would get very involved in. And so some of the mythology there, I would, I would actually believe, but a lot of Irish people do. Um, so those, um, you know, they're uh, like magical things of Tiernan Og and Asheen and those old stories that I was very uh, uh, obsessed by that. And the, the Toyne, which is another great Irish uh, mythology. Uh, but they were all warriors that were kind of crazy and <laughs> nothing like me in my real life. What is the first film you remember seeing in theaters that you were the person who was like the impetus to go to see the film? Star Wars. Ooh. Jungle Book. Ooh. A, a classic snake, a classic snake performance. One of the greatest snake performances of all time in Jungle Book, I would say. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of a, a, you know, premonition for your future. <laughs> this what is one thing you wish you had more time for uh reading i think watching more movies um yeah i don't i i, yeah, I can i having worked at home i can i stop and start movies <laughs> and get distracted by things that are happening at home but i i really love watching movies as someone especially who comes from editorial, because I have a background in post-production and, and that stuff, do you find that you're able to immerse yourself in movies or are you sitting there picking them apart going like, oh, that's a that's an interesting cut or that's a, you know? Yeah, there was a long time where I, I would complete, because I, I came out of it as a joy of movies. Right. I would totally get immersed in it. And when I started editing and an editor for a long time, I, I kind of said, why can't I, why am I really examining this. I, I would just get lost in the movies and I can still do that. I think uh, there are times when the movie's not very good. I can often then start to like, okay, I think we could move, lose some time here. And literally, you know- Yeah, you start or, cutting in your head. Yeah. <laughs> in head. That's kind of what happens now. But a lot of the time I can still get completely immersed in movies. They've always been my, my go-to place to be, my happy place. All right, my very last question quickly is, which character do you admire the most? From Back to the Outback, not just in general, right? <laughs> it's Maddie for me. I do, I admire Maddie. I really do think she's she's got so many qualities to her. And I think Isla has just given her such a great voice. But I think her story and as it goes forward and you see how it evolves, you know, I think you get that sense that everyone has something special and uh, and that's what she has. And, and some of that, that special quality can, could save the day in the end. That's keeping it mysterious. 
Yeah, I think I enjoy Pretty Boy the most because he's fun and he's a he's a total bastard. But I think the one who I admire the most is Jackie. I admire that that that's that's even though you know things are tough at the beginning. She sort of her first consideration is the welfare of those in her charge and looking after them and making Maddie try to feel good about her stuff. She's an admirable character. And that's why I think it's so sad when she gets taken away. Yeah, she's concerned with her community. Well, thank you both so much for your time. You. I really appreciate it. Congrats on the film again. Have a good one. Thank you. A huge thank you to Claire and Harry for joining. Back to the Outback is out now on Netflix. And if you like this episode, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.